It's summertime. And one of the things that Deanna and I enjoy during this time of the year is to find some restaurants where there's outdoor seating. And I don't know if for you or if that's you at all, but in particular, we enjoy sidewalk restaurants. Um, there's not a lot in Minnesota, obviously, in such a short season of, of that we're able to do that. You know, July is kind of the only month you can do that. But um, Cross Lake, there's one that sort of fits the bill with a twist. Um, there's a channel that goes through from Cross Lake into Rush Lake and then three other lakes beyond there, but it's the main channel. And then there's a restaurant called, called Ye Old Wharf. And um, the channel, it's interesting because it's right on the channel, and I'm guessing the, the deck area that you sit in the lawn, you can sit in the lawn as well, but it's about probably 15, 20 feet from the water, this channel, and there's boat after boat that goes by, and on that, those lakes are some really nice and big boats, and, but we just sit there and people watch occasionally at, at that restaurant. And it's just fun for us to watch people, and we, if we could find a sidewalk, we'd do the same thing. But the question I'd throw to you, do you like to sit and people watch? And maybe you're planning, for example, going to the state fair. Anybody going to the state fair this year? Anybody got a few people that would like to go? And occasionally we go, and not very often, but sometimes you'll sit down on a bench there, and you know that there's floods, there's you know, thousands and thousands of people that will go by. And maybe you enjoy that kind of people watching. But one doesn't have to watch people very long to see that there's different cultures, there's different interests, that the attire is different, different shapes, sizes, tall, short, big, small. But with all of those differences, there are two commonalities between all people. Matter of fact, if you're following along in the bulletin insert there, let me give you those two commonalities of every person that walks by as you watch people. The first one, all people are created in the image of God. Everyone. And the second is this, all people matter to God. As you sit and watch people, go, go to the state fair, any fair, maybe next, is it next weekend, the Tall Timber Days, you're going to watch the people come by and every person is made in the image of God. Let me put up the text where that comes from, Genesis chapter 1 in the creation account. Look how it reads there. God made the wild animals according to their needs, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the seas and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now there are people who at times want to value the created in terms of creation, the nature out there. They value that, and that is actually more satisfying for people to watch. At, at times I think we want to avoid watching people and we let's just look at creation out there 
But I can say this with certainty. Because we were made in the image of God, that people, listen to this, matter more than creation, than nature, than birds, than animals and trees. God didn't die, send his son to die for them. Just go out today, maybe you're going to be with some people this afternoon, and just look at their faces and go, this person was created in the image of God. And that person matters to God. But there's another reality I I think that exists concerning people. Because we fell with Adam in the garden, and we choose independence and autonomy over God, There's a reality is that we learn to judge people quickly and we dismiss people based on how they look, what skin color, what they wear, their shape, even some of the behaviors of people. Isn't that true? But there's one, I think, one more reality that we have to wrestle with in terms of the church. Churches can dismiss people as well and can become judgmental. And a church can become a club where outsiders feel unwelcome and and they get pushed away, they feel unloved and unwanted. Isn't that true as well? Let me give you the main point for this morning. If people matter to God, then they must matter to God's people. If people matter to the creator of this universe, then we, the church, must believe that people matter as well. We've been unpacking our core values here at the church. Steve spoke on prayer last week. Let me give you the value today. We value people. You can go to the next slide there, Nancy including individuals, families, children. See, God desires that all be restored to a right relationship with Him. And in our brochure, we put this, 2 Peter 3, 9, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promises. Some understand slowness. Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. It points out that God cares about people. See, if people matter to God, they also then must matter to us as a a body of believers. See, we've, we've stated that these values, in one sense, become a guardrail for us. It reminds us of the things that we can't forget. But what does this really mean for us when it says people matter? Now, here's what I believe. If we're going to discover really what that looks like, I think there's no better place than to look at Jesus and to see how he related to people because people mattered to him. And I think if we claim to be disciples, if we say that we follow Jesus and that Jesus cares about people, then it calls for us to step back and say, how are we doing in terms of modeling what Jesus modeled? Are we following in the footsteps of Jesus in the values as he lived on this earth for 33 years? Now, again, I have to confess, even in my own life, that I often fail in this area. 
And I recognize all of us, there's probably not perfection. But again, I think the call for us is to invite the Spirit to work where we stop and ask God, God, would you give us a desire of what Jesus desires? Would you help us love people like Jesus loved people? That people would matter to us even as a church. But let me remind you of some of the things that Jesus demonstrated. Again, things that we must embrace and believe deep within us. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 2. A very short text for today. But it's so relevant, I think, in this issue, this value of saying that people matter. Now, the context of this, I left it out in a couple verses. But Jesus is walking along. He sees Levi in his tax booth. And he says, Levi, come and follow me and be with me. So he's calling Levi, but there's, he takes another step, and this is where we pick it up in Mark chapter 2, verse 15. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law who were the Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. What do we learn from this about Jesus here that applies, I think, to us? Let me point out the first observation here. If you're, again, if you're taking notes, I said it this way. Jesus loved people and was willing here in this text to break from spiritual tradition for, quote, those people. See that phrase, why does he eat with the tax collectors and sinners? This was the church leadership challenging Jesus, looking at his behavior and going, that's stupid. Why would he do that? But again, these leaders, they wanted to define what godliness was all about. And they created traditions and rules that had little to do with true godliness. Matter of fact, I think what they were doing, they were protecting the church structures of the day. And I don't think they could see a spiritual need if it was in the shadows of their own temple that they attended. But we must admit as well, as we grew up, environments, church environments, do you realize that the past can instill in us a type of belief that is not based on the life of Jesus? It's based on the teaching that would be similar to what the Pharisees taught. Certain man-made rules become more important than people. Matter of fact, I think the first time I really had to come to grips to this was when I was living in Vancouver, Washington. Deanna and I were young, and the church there we attended, they ran a basketball league for teens, for senior high students, and it was for the for teens, for guys that were uh, didn't make the varsity team, so it was kind of from a number of communities, and they would come and play there. We had probably four or five, six teams, I don't remember, but I would ref and I would help coach those boys on Saturday morning. And a lot of those teens were from unchurched backgrounds. They didn't go to church anywhere. And one of the popular things back then, I don't know if it's still today, I haven't asked, but chewing tobacco was very important for those guys back then. 
these teenagers. And did you know that quite often they would come to that Saturday morning and they would deposit their tobacco in the water fountain? And it made some people at the church pretty angry. And I remember people were wrestling with the comments of going, you know what, these boys, we really shouldn't let them come to the facility unless they behave right. Now, fortunately, I think the pastors did a good job at the time teaching myself and other people going, the souls matter for these boys. The spiritual world is the most important thing for these young men. Far more than the dirty water fountain. See, for some people even, facilities and its cleanliness oftentimes gets elevated. In that case, for some, the facility was more important than the lives of those boys. And that can happen in a church as well. A church can care more for a building and keeping it clean than people. Building the building to keep it looking perfect isn't the issue. Buildings serve people, not the other way around. But let me push this even a little farther. From this passage, Jesus also was willing to be with those people. If you remember, those was Levi and these sinners, and Levi was a hated guy. He was a turncoat. He was a Jew that was working for the Roman governments, collecting the taxes which they hated. They hated him. And Jesus was willing to spend time with those people, to be with those people. And I think this point is a hard one, especially for parents. I I, I think back of well, I, would, I think at times we were maybe communicating exactly the opposite of what Jesus did. You know, grow, with our kids growing up, Dan and I were always concerned about who our kids were with spending time with, you know, as children. We wanted to know what kind of kids they were with, what kind of homes they came from. And yes, we needed spiritual wisdom in that, but, but, but. Three buts. See, one doesn't have to pause very long and realize that there is a very short step where a parent is instilling into a young child, all in the name of wisdom, that you are a good kid and good kids should not be spending time with certain people. You can't spend time with those people, those kids, those families. I was a youth pastor for a number of years. And I remember parents saying, I don't want to send my kids to the youth ministry because of those kids that were there. And I go, would Jesus have said that? See, I think parents, parents walk a fine line. But there is this short cliff where on one hand they're teaching their kids, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, but stay away from those people. And it's why I think the shift in parenting has got to change. And parents have to view and have a mindset that it is the parent's responsibility to turn your children into a disciple maker. 
Not just a nice Christian kid. Your kids need to become a disciple maker where they are learning and beginning at a young age that they are called to be on mission with God and to teach your kids to love other kids with a purpose. Is it simple? No. But even our kids need to learn that they are called to help people take somebody else's, a young child's hand, and help walk with them toward Jesus, to know Jesus, to love Jesus, and to serve Jesus. Our children need to learn that. But let me push it farther. Look at verse 16. And when the teachers of the law who were Pharisees saw him eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they asked the disciples, why does he eat with the tax collectors and the sinners? Here's a very simple point from this. Number two, Jesus was willing to spend time with people. He he was willing to be with people. The focus of his ministry was people. See, he he would gather even a crowd of of, 5,000 and more, and he'd be teaching them, and he could have done that. And then as he got done with his sermon or his message, whatever he was doing, and he could have just sent them home, and he could have sent the disciples home after the teaching time, and he could have gone back to where he was staying, and he could have avoided people, because you know what? People are tiring, you know. He needed to rest and get away from people. But no. See, see, the challenge for a church is people are to matter, are to matter with us. And that must include spending time with people in relationship. It's at the core of being a church. See, understand that people can come to church and never be the church. Because in order to be the church, it has to be people. I kind of went after it a few weeks back where I said, going to church is the wrong phrase. It's the wrong thing to teach our kids. It isn't really correct. We are the church. And we come together as a church, and it includes not just spending time here, but even beyond this hour and a half on Sunday morning. We must be willing to enter into relationship, willing to enter into spending time with people. Are we willing to be be the church, to invite people into our lives in that context? Let me put verse 17 on the screen. Let me keep going here. On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have come to call the righteous but sinners. See, Jesus is pushing back against the spiritual elite of that day. He was pushing back against those who felt good about where they were at and about their own righteousness. And and by the way, he's probably talking to the disciples here without, I'm not sure that the Pharisees are here. But he responds by telling his disciples this, look around, I think this is what he's saying, look around guys, there are people everywhere who are spiritually broken. So I I think there's there's, uh, something maybe below the surface here. It's not so obvious, but it really is this attitude of Jesus. See, it was even more than breaking tradition. It was even more than spending time with people. When he looked at people, he was moved 
to even have compassion on people. He knew that the mission of his life was spiritual healing. It was physical, yes, I acknowledge that. But he's saying to his disciples, guys, there is spiritual healing that needs all around us. Let me give you the piece I think that applies here. Number three, I said it this way. Following Jesus calls us to invest and serve people because of their spiritual brokenness and neediness. See, if people matter to God, then they must matter to us as God's people. But the question, I think, is what holds us back? What are some of the obstacles in investing in people's lives? Can I give you the first one for your notes? I said it this way. A lack of emotional and spiritual energy. Investing in people takes energy. Um, Scott and Michelle Schwaki host and lead our community group that Deanna and I are in. And we try to meet twice a month or so. We're actually meeting today uh, for our large group gathering. And we always eat a meal together when we do this. And I know, having done this for years, that for Scott and Michelle, it's wearing. They open up their home on a regular basis. And they have to carve out energy and time but they believe that people matter. See, I think the challenge for us today is that there's so little margin in people's lives. And and when I say that, you know, margin meaning there's just not a lot of extra energy and time to work with. And I know it's complicated. I do know that. And you go, what's the step of, of creating margin in our lives so we have the emotional energy to engage people? And I think the first thing here is really this. It needs to start with us in our own spiritual renewal, in our own lives. I think it's this, rather than maybe eating a meal with people on a regular basis, it needs to first start with us eating a meal on a regular basis with Jesus abiding in Him with the Father and the Son. And when we do that, it gives us energy and stamina to love well. See, connecting with God gives us even the wisdom at that point to know what good things to say no toward, to say yes to that which is best. Because there's so much, the issue of margins, there's so many good things we can do. But the question is, what's best? What does Jesus want for us? Can we say yes to that which is best? But you'll notice Jesus, the model, he withdrew from people at times. But it was for a purpose. Do you realize he didn't go on a vacation for a distraction or to do something fun? When he withdrew, he drew away to commune with his father so that he would be renewed to engage people. And I think that's the starting point for us is to create margin in our lives first for him. And out of that, I think the wisdom comes to know how to create the margin in our lives for people. 
and to engage people on that level. Well, let me give you one more obstacle. There's more. I, I know that this morning. But the next one, I, I said it this. I just a lack of compassion. Let me put a verse on the screen. As we see Jesus and what he did when he went ashore. He was teaching in the boat in this context. He's teaching this crowd of people and he looks at them and he felt compassion for them and healed their sick. See, what's the answer for a lack of compassion? Again, I think it starts with us sitting at his feet, asking God to open our hearts, our emotions, our lives, so that we see people differently. And, and folks, I, I think this one is tied to our spiritual development and our spiritual growth and toward maturity. And, and as one presses to become a father and mother in the faith, I'm not going to read the text, but 1 John 2, 12-14 talks about being a, a father. And, and fathers and mothers care for people. They cannot do anything else. But let me throw a nuance ad here. Because I think we can feel bad for people. We can sit on a sidewalk and watch people go by and feel sorry that there's spiritual needs in their lives. But compassion is a little different than feeling sorry. Compassion has action to it. Jesus demonstrated that over and over. If it's true compassion, there's action behind it. And at times we forget that. See, ministry is more than just the idea of knowing something or even sometimes just serving to do something. Ministry is always about people and, and helping them, having compassion on them to understand where they're at spiritually and to help and grab and take their hand and help them point them to Jesus and walk with them to Jesus, to get to know Jesus love Jesus, and serve Jesus. That's what discipleship is. It's action. It's about people. It's about disciple-making. See, if people matter to God, then they must matter to God's people. Now let me throw a picture on the screen. A little bit of the dilemma this is just from the internet. This is the picture, a family picture. Okay, my, my daughter's here, and we did a bunch of pictures here uh, this last weekend, and that last few days, and we had, you know, grandma and the kids and, and, and had some family time together, and it was really a lot of fun the last couple days. But here's the tension. Oh, by the way, some of you are going, yeah. That's not my family. You don't know my family. You know, you don't even want to spend time with your family, maybe. I understand that there are situations like that. But do you realize, in terms of our own lives, that the family is the easiest to spend time with? We just have to admit that. And oftentimes it's the biggest pull toward our own families. I recognize that even from this last week. But let me put up another picture on the screen. Here's a church family. Do you realize it's just a little more difficult to spend time and value the church family 
versus our own families. See, here it comes back to, do we create the margin in our lives as a, for our own church family? It, it, it's why community groups and DNA groups are so vital. Folks, when spiritual growth, I believe, will remain stagnant if we don't carve out time to be with the church family. Spiritual growth is about people and how we respond to people. Even young people in a church, I look at that, and, and parents, the priority of your kids being in a church family is absolutely critical for their spiritual growth. And spiritual growth is fundamentally about loving people, serving people, becoming other-centered concerning people. People matter in spiritual maturity. But do we prioritize and carve out margin in our lives for the church family and inviting other people into our lives that are from the church family? Let me put up another picture here. Did you see the sign up on top? This is the Minnesota State Fair. You maybe have seen this if you've gone down there. But you have the immediate family, we got our church family, and then you got this crowd beyond the church walls. But do you see in here lost people? Do we see that the fields are white for harvest? That we see that people are sick and needing the great physician? Do we carve out time for these people? These people, if Jesus attended the state fair, these people mattered to him. Let me put up one more picture. You know what this is by the color of the flags. Does God care about these people? See, would we be willing to build a bridge with anyone in this crowd? Would we be willing to build a bridge that one day we would earn the right to tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ? And tell them that God loves them and God is calling them to turn from their own autonomy and give their lives to a Savior. See, Jesus cared about these people. Those, these are the those people. Jesus built bridges to those people that needed a Savior. The woman at the well would be an example of that person as well. But see how we rate One, two, three, four. And I want to tell you right now, Scripture does not rate like that. It doesn't. Jesus said, you've got to be willing to leave your father and mother for the kingdom. And we want to put an order to it. And it's just not that simple in the biblical sense. See, people matter to God. And we as a body that value, we care about people. And people are important, has to matter to us. I want to end, let me put Second Peter 3.9 on the screen here. This is the Amplified. Amplified kind of gives some more picturesque words often to it. But the Lord does not delay, it is not tardy or slow about what he promises according to some people's conception of slowness. But he is long-suffering, that term, extraordinarily patient toward you, toward me. Not desiring that any should perish, that all should come to repentance. 
That was the attitude of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. The Spirit. Let me put the value back up on the screen to close. Here's a guardrail for us that we value people, including individuals, families, and children. And God desires that all be restored to a right relationship with himself. But I want to point out, that's not just salvation alone. It's helping people, taking people, helping them have a robust relationship with Jesus. A deep union with Jesus. That's why people are to matter for us as a body of believers. You see, if people matter to God, then they must matter to God's people. Let's stand and pray.